WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Why do we call him Lord if we're not going to obey him? It is hypocrisy. And so when we come to the Bible, we must come with the attitude of, I will obey even before I know what he wants me to do. My attitude is, I submit to the authority of Jesus Christ as revealed in the Bible. Suppose you knew someone who bought an expensive piece of electronic equipment, and after reading in the owner's manual that it required 240 volts, they plugged it into 120 volts. Would you wonder about their wisdom, or maybe even their sanity? It's good to have you along today for Verse by Verse as Pastor Steve Kreloff begins a short series of lessons concerning the essentials for spiritual growth. One of those essentials is the study of God's Word. Many people think the Bible is an obscure book and that only specially trained scholars can understand it. On the contrary, the Bible is written to ordinary people like you and me, and if we go about it in the right way, we will find that we can learn a great deal from it. The real difficulty is in applying what we learn. Now here's Pastor Steve with some great principles for effective Bible study. It was an exciting time that came with the birth of our firstborn. His birth opened up a whole new world to us. This little infant became an integral part of our lives. But before too long, the novelty of it all began to wear off. It became obvious that it was necessary to settle down into a daily routine of life and taking care of this little infant if he was to grow up properly. What's true in the physical realm is also true in the spiritual realm. When a person receives eternal life, he receives Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. And Lord, it is a thrilling time. You are a new person in Christ, and you have been born into God's eternal family. But eventually, just like the physical child born into a physical family, eventually things must settle down, and the work must go on of nurturing that little infant. You need to be nurtured. You need to grow in the Lord. And as part of God's eternal family, it's his responsibility to help you grow. It's his responsibility to provide the means for your growth. And God has provided the means for our growth. And today we want to look at the first means of growth, the very essential that we need in our lives, and that's food. We can't grow without food. You would starve to death without food, and God has provided his food. His food is the Bible. It is the living Word of God. And we want to look at God's food today, and we want you to turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 tells us that it is the Word of God that brought us into His family, and it is the Word of God that is used by the Lord to help us grow in His family. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, Peter writes, For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is through the living and abiding Word of God. It is when the Word of God came to you and you believed the message of the Gospel that you were saved, you became a part of God's family, you were born anew, born again. And then Peter tells us, chapter 2, verse 2, he says, Like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the Word, that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you've tasted the kindness of the Lord. In other words, as a newborn babe longs for milk, so we as, as 
Christians are to long for the pure milk of the word of God. We've been born again by the word. Now we are to, to, to desire this word, and it is the means by which we grow. And that's why Peter says, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord, if you have been saved, if you have understood the grace of God, that salvation is free, then you have understood it by the word of God, and you are to grow by that same word. Now, why is the Bible so important to our growth? Because it is the word of God. When we say that, we mean exactly that. It is the, it, they are the words that come from God himself. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 16 says this. And this is a classic verse in the Bible telling us that the Bible is the very word of God. The apostle Paul wrote, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. The word inspired is literally God breathed out. In other words, every word in the Bible, from Genesis through Revelation, every single word comes from God. It is breathed out from God. God is the very source of the Bible, of the scriptures. The Apostle Paul not only told us that it is the word of God, these are God's words. He also said it is profitable. Why is the Bible profitable to us? How does it profit us? Well, if you look at 2 Timothy 3.16, Paul writes, because first of all, it teaches us. It is profitable for teaching. That is, it, it teaches us what God wants us to know about himself, about living, about life. It teaches us the truth, what we need to know. But not only that, it's profitable for correction. That is, it reveals to us when we're in sin. It rebukes us for sin. It reveals when we've gone astray, we've gone off the path. Not only is it profitable for teaching, for reproof, it's also profitable for correction. That is, it corrects us. It gets us back on the path, on right living. And then finally, it is profitable for training in righteousness. That is, it, it not only gets us back on the path, it tells us how to stay on the path. It instructs us in living a life that pleases the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, what Paul is saying is that the Bible is the spiritual nourishment we need to grow up to become more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Now, the health and success of your Christian life depends entirely, entirely on what you do with your Bible. If you neglect it, you won't grow spiritually. You'll be stagnant in your growth. You'll be stagnant in your spiritual life. But if you get into the Bible, if you open it up and you study your Bible and, and you dig into the Bible, you'll become spiritually strong. You'll grow in the Lord. You'll get to know Jesus Christ better in a much more intimate way than, than you realized was possible. Your faith will increase. Your life will be blessed. A Christian who regularly studies the Bible knows and experiences not only the joy of the Lord, but he or she experiences the comfort of the Lord in times of trouble. The Bible is important to us. So how do we get into the Bible? How do we study it so that it makes sense to us and we can understand it? How do we get into the Bible in such a way so that the Bible gets into us, so that the Bible gets a hold on our life and changes it for the better? Well, today I want us, first of all, to see preparation for Bible study, because we don't just come to the Bible and study it. We must have prepared hearts to study God's Word. You must have the right attitude when you approach the Bible. So let's look at the preparation or the right attitudes for Bible study. First of all, you need purity of life. Your life needs to be pure. Now, I didn't say perfect, but there needs to be a purity in your life. And what do I mean by that? I like what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 
2, we read just a moment ago the verse that says, like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the word, that by it you may grow and respect the salvation. But the very verse before that tells us how we have that longing. How do we get that desire? How do we get that intense, heartful desire to study the Bible and get into God's word? Well, the verse before us tells us. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, when there's sin in our life that we refuse to confess, poor attitudes towards other people, lack of forgiveness, malice, hatred, the wrong things in our lives, if we refuse to ask God to deal with that and we confess our sin, then we won't have a desire for the word of God. What keeps many Christians from a desire for reading and studying the word of God is because they refuse to let God deal with the sin in their lives. But when you do that, when you confess that, when you forgive people, when you move on and you have a purity of heart and attitude, then there is a desire there. If there isn't a desire, you need to go back and find out what sin is it in my life that's hindering that desire. So first of all, we need a purity of life. Then we need humble dependency upon the Lord to teach us. We don't come to the Bible feeling like we are totally capable in and of ourselves to understand everything. We come to God's Word with a humble dependency upon the author of this book, the God of the Bible. And this means that we need to pray for understanding. It means we need to trust the Lord to open up our understanding of His Word. The psalmist put it so well in Psalm 119, verse 18, when he said this, Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from thy law. He said, Lord, open my eyes. He didn't mean physically. He meant spiritually. Give me insight into the word of God. And that's what we need to do. You come to the Bible. We need to pray for understanding. And God will give us understanding. The Bible teaches that when we receive Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit came into our lives. And God has put him there for many reasons. And he is God. He is God, the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that the Spirit of God does is he teaches us scripture. That is, when we hear the truth, he affirms it in our heart. He, he confirms it. He makes his point with an inner conviction in our spirit. So we need to depend upon the Lord, and God will answer our prayers and teach us the word of God. Then as far as preparation goes, we also need a desire to obey. We don't study the Bible just to gain a whole lot of facts or for our curiosity's sake. We study the Bible to learn what Jesus Christ wants us to do. You see, the Bible wasn't given to fill our heads with knowledge. It was given to help us express our love and obedience to Jesus Christ. For Jesus said in John 14, 15, he said, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. How do we know his commandments except we get into the Bible? God doesn't speak to us any other way except through the Bible these days. Year Long ago, God spoke through dreams and visions and other ways. But today, the Bible says God speaks to us through his son, and the message of his son is found in the New Testament. So we must have a desire to obey. We must have that attitude of not trying to gain knowledge, but to learn what God wants us to do so that we might express our love for Jesus Christ and obey him. Jesus said one time, why do you call me Lord and don't do the things I say? What a strong, significant question that was. Why do we call him Lord if we're not going to obey him? It is hypocrisy. And so when we come to the Bible, we must come with the attitude of, I will obey even before I know what he wants me to do. My attitude is, I submit to the authority of Jesus Christ as revealed in the Bible. Now, once you've prepared yourself to study God's word, then you're ready to approach the Bible. So let's look at the principles of Bible study. We've prepared our hearts. 
We had the right preparation for Bible study. Now the principles of Bible study. Many people think the Bible is a closed book. They think it's so difficult to understand. I've had people say to me, oh, you, I can't possibly understand the Bible. But that's not true. The Bible isn't a difficult book to understand. It just takes some disciplined effort on our parts and some common sense. Most of the time, the reason we don't understand the Bible is because we're too lazy to get into the Bible and do some study. I would suggest that you start by reading a book of the Bible. Take one book of the Bible and just begin to read that book. I would recommend that a good place to begin is the Gospel of John. Gospel of John is a great book to begin because it is very clear on presenting Jesus Christ as God in flesh. Don't start off with a complicated book. People come to me and say, I've just come to know the Lord and I'm ready to study Revelation. You're not ready to study Revelation. That is a complicated book. Leave it alone for now. In the future, that's fine to study. But for right now, stick with a basic book like the Gospel of John or the Gospel of Mark or one of the epistles such as Romans or Galatians. So I would say start with John would be my recommendation. Go through the Gospel of John systematically. Don't pick it up one day and read a verse here and then pick it up another day and read another verse in another place. Start reading it through. Set aside a definite time for your Bible reading, a time during the day that you can be alone, a quiet place where there won't be any interruptions. Let it be regular, preferably on a daily basis. Read a little bit each day. Don't burden yourself. Don't feel you have to read for an hour, maybe 10 minutes each day, whatever fits your schedule. Read a little bit each day, and as you read, ask some definite questions as you read the Gospel of John. And I hope you're writing this down because these are good questions to remember, and this is how we all have to approach our Bible study. The first question you ought to ask is, who is the author writing to? That is, is he writing to unbelievers? Is he writing to disciples of Christ? It makes a difference. Who is he writing to? And who's speaking? Is it God speaking? Is it man who's speaking? Is it Satan that the Bible is recording him speaking? Is it an angel who's talking? Understand who's doing the talking and who is the person talking to. Then ask yourself, what is he saying? Is he encouraging them? Is it a rebuking message? Is he giving them promises for the future? Is he warning them of danger? Is he telling them about something about himself? Is he giving them a command to follow? You need to ask yourself, what is he saying? What is the message? Then why is he saying what he's saying? What are his reasons? What's the purpose? Have they done something wrong? Have they done something right? Is it an encouragement? Why? What's the situation? What's the reason? Then ask yourself, when is he saying this? What we mean by that is what's taken place or about to take place. What is the local situation? When is it happening? Is it happening before some important event? Is it happening after some significant event? When is he saying this? Then ask, how does he say what he says? Does he say it by parables? Is he saying it in literal language? Is he saying it by a figure of speech? How is he communicating his message? And then finally, where is he speaking? From where is he speaking? Is he, in, is he in a field? Is he in the temple speaking? Is he in a room speaking? Is he in a garden speaking? Where is the Lord Jesus on the cross speaking? Where is he speaking from? Now, to illustrate this, let me use John 14 and show you how important it is. John 14 is a very precious passage in the Word of God. 
And I would ask the first question is, who is speaking? In John 14, Jesus is speaking. And when you do Bible study, you write these things down so you'll remember. Write it either in your Bible or a notebook. Who's speaking? It's Jesus who's speaking. Who is he speaking to? He's speaking to his disciples, the believers. What is he saying? He's giving a message of encouragement and promises. Why is he saying what he's saying? Well, he's about to leave. He's about to be crucified and then resurrected and returned to his father. And he knows that it won't be easy for his disciples while he's gone. And so that's why he's saying what he's saying, a message of encouragement and, and promise. When did he speak this? He said it just before his arrest. So just a few hours before he was arrested. How did he give his message? He gave it in literal language, straightforward truth. But it's interesting that even though it's straightforward, it's not always clear. It's clear to us now because we understand after reading other portions of Scripture what he was saying, but it wasn't clear to the disciples, even though it was literal and straightforward. They needed the Holy Spirit to teach them more of the truth. Where was he when he said when he gave this message? He was in an upper room in the city of Jerusalem. And now we've just gone through John 14, and you can see how very, very important it is to ask these questions. It opens up the Bible for us. So start by reading a book like John, read it through, read a little bit each day. And then always, and this is another principle, always see every verse and passage that you're studying in its context. The context means its setting. The verses before and after affect what the meaning is of the verses that are in between. Otherwise, you can make the Bible say just about anything you want it to say. And I know of people who just pull a verse there and pull a verse here, and you can make the Bible say anything you want that way. For instance, you could turn to Matthew 27, 5, and you would read, He went away and hanged himself. Well, you don't know what the context is. Well, you say, that doesn't, that doesn't seem right, so I'll turn to another passage of Scripture, and I'll just pull out, well, let's pull out Luke 10, 37. And you open your Bible and you see, go and do thou likewise. And you say, well, that doesn't make sense. Hang myself and do it likewise? Must be something else in the Bible for me. So you turn to John 13, 27, and you read, what thou doest, do quickly. Well, you see the ridiculousness of just taking a, a Bible verse out of its context. We need to find out what the theme of the book is. And you'll find that out as you read the book. As you read John's Gospel, you'll see the theme is the deity of Christ. Then you see the theme of the chapter, and you'll see that just by reading it, it is common sense. It will become clear to you. You'll see patterns repeated over and over and over again. Never take a verse or a passage and isolate it. Nobody likes to be quoted out of context. Nobody does, and God is no exception. Don't quote God out of context. See his word in its proper setting, and it'll begin to make sense to you. Most of the problems people have with understanding the Bible is because they will not see it in its context. Another principle, interpret the Bible in the normal sense of language. How significant and important that is. The Bible is a piece of literature. It is divine literature, but it is also literature, and we need to remember that. And it should be read as any piece of literature is read. You take it literally at face value unless it becomes obvious by its context that you ought to interpret it in another way, such as a figure of speech, a hyperbole, a simile, a metaphor. But you only do that in when the context makes it obvious. For instance, Jesus said, I am the door. Obviously, he didn't mean that literally. He meant that he functions as a door, you see, but it's common sense. And that's what you can call this principle. 
Just plain common sense. Look for the plain, obvious meaning rather than some deep, symbolic meaning. And I might add, the Bible will not say one thing to you and, and another thing to me. I've had people say that to me. Well, the Bible says this to me. This is what it means to me. A good question to ask a person like that is to say, what if you weren't alive? What would it mean? You see, it really doesn't matter. It's really not important to say it means something to you and something else to me. It only God has one meaning in his word for a passage or a verse. There may be different applications in it, but he means only one thing. And then it applies to our lives in many different ways. But take the statements to mean exactly what they say. Someone has said this, when the plain sense makes good sense, let's be careful to not make it nonsense. Take the Bible in its obvious meaning. Don't look for the sensational, the hidden message. It's just not there. You see, God wants you to understand his word. It's not a game. He wants to communicate to you. God is reasonable. God wants us to understand his word. So he gave it to us in the only possible way we could understand it, by using the normal laws of language. Otherwise, no one could be sure of what God said. If it means something deep to this person over here and something deep to this person over here, then nobody could possibly know what God means. Then it's all open to subjection, and then we're lost in a sea of our own understanding rather than what God clearly is communicating. Now, finally, on the, on the principles of Bible study, don't be discouraged if you don't understand something in the Bible. There are many things I don't understand in the Bible, but just live by what you do understand and know and trust the Lord to give you light on the obscure passages in his own time. Don't belabor and worry over what you don't know. Obey what you do know. So we've looked at the preparation, have your heart right before the Lord. Then the principles of studying the Bible. Finally, practicing the Bible. This is often left out when people try to understand the Bible, but I think it's so significant. What I call it is practicing the Bible. This is that element of Bible study that says this. After you've read the Bible and studied it, a passage or some verses, you must obey its message. You must obey its message. You must apply what you've read to your own life. James tells us in his little letter, he tells us, be doers of the word and not hearers only who deceive themselves. In other words, what he's saying is don't just listen to what the Bible says and don't just read what the Bible says, but put it into practice. Don't go away from the Bible just saying, isn't that interesting? Oh, I've learned something today. No, God says, apply it, put it into practice. You need to ask, what does the Lord want me to do? Or what does the Lord want me to stop doing? Is there something I'm doing that's wrong? Is there something I'm not doing that I ought to be doing? Or maybe there's something I'm doing, but I ought to do more often and more consistently. You see, this is the application of the word of God, and only God can apply it to your heart. But you've got to be open. You've got to be asking these questions. You've got to be sensitive. You've got to want the Bible to get a hold of your life and change it for God's glory. You see, this is why the Apostle Paul told Timothy that the Bible is profitable in 2 Timothy 3.16. Why? Because it affects our lives in every situation of life. The Bible is practical. The Bible is not stuffy. It is practical and it is profitable. One Bible teacher said this, Nothing darkens the mind like disobedience. To obey a truth you see prepares you to see other truths. To disobey a truth you see darkens your mind to all truths. Let's bow for prayer.
Our Father, we pray that you will help us to apply it in every way so that your word is very practical and helpful in our lives. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today for Verse by Verse, a daily radio Bible class taught by Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These classes are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. We are a faith ministry supported by caring listeners like you. We invite you to visit us on the web at versebyverseradio.org. You will find today's program and hundreds of previous ones there for listening online or downloading for later. If you would like to order a CD or a cassette with this message, please call us at 727-239-0306. Another essential for victorious Christian living is prayer. We will consider that on the next Verse by Verse. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's verse. Well, the star meant.